Welcome to the Sister C Podcast, your monthly dose of sisterhood and mental health advice coming to you on the 15th of every month. My name is Joelle, and I'm a licensed therapist who is committed to fighting the stigma of mental illness. Each month, I will talk to one of my favorite sisters who has lived experience or expert insight about today's most important mental health issues. We are about to break down today's topic and provide you with some candid and practical mental health advice. So welcome to the first ever episode of the Sister C Podcast. Before we dive into today's topic, I wanted to briefly mention my goal in starting this podcast. Firstly, I want to provide practical and relatable mental health advice. However, we embrace the spirit of sisterhood and authenticity by having candid discussions about difficult topics. I'm also particularly passionate about amplifying the voices of LGBTQ individuals. That being said, today's topic is about grief and loss, and my co-host is my sister Amy. In particular, we're going to talk about our experience of losing our sister, Tracy. She passed away just two months ago, and I believe she exemplified many of the qualities that I hope to embrace on this show. So we're going to start out by talking about our personal experiences, but by the end of the episode, we'll also be giving practical advice to anybody else who might be grieving This episode will not only be applicable to the loss of a loved one, but also to other types of losses that people have experienced this year. So it's time to officially introduce my co-host. As I mentioned, today's sister is my actual sister, and she goes by the name of Amy Clark. Amy is also a music director and radio personality in my hometown of St. John, New Brunswick. And I am so happy to have her as my first guest. So without further ado, Welcome, Sister Amy. How are you? I'm doing okay. Hey, Joelle, thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you. Well, I'm happy to be here. Like, how have you been doing? We talked, you know, in the first week, the week after Tracy passed away, and now it's been six weeks. How are you doing? Um, At this point, it's so interesting with grief. I think I'll just sort of preface my response to that by saying that grief is so not linear. You know, when you read about grief and what it's going to be like, the stages of grief, you get to points where you think you've reached, ah, I'm at acceptance now. And then you're sort of hit with a wave of anger or even a little bit of denial or confusion in the beginning it was sort of shock. It was hard Mm -hmm. to believe that that had actually happened. In fact, I remember you and I speaking on the telephone and we had sort of gotten the news that this was potentially, um, you know, the end of our sister's life. And even then it didn't seem real, you know, it was sort of like, well, no, she's going to pull through. Like this is, she's going to be fine. This isn't really the end. And then the day, or I guess the night before when we all made our you know phone call to her because of course covid prevented us from physically being with her then i sort of you know went through a few days of shock and disbelief i tried to do sort of all of like the right things and by the right things i mean things that would allow me to sort of feel the grief and not avoid it so avoiding mm. alcohol avoiding any drugs um anything that would be mood altering just to sort of feel it because the only way to get through it is to go through it. 
Yeah. And so that's been something that I've been trying to focus on. Overall, I would say I'm doing pretty okay. And I'm grateful for that. Well, I'm glad to hear that. It's certainly been a bit of a roller coaster for me as well. You know, this awful thing happened. And I guess we have to accept it. A lot of people think that once you accept something, everything's okay. But acceptance is really more of a practice. And I think when these emotions do come up, it's an opportunity to practice acceptance, to feel the emotion. And I think a part of practicing acceptance is allowing yourself to feel these emotions. Yeah, I would say that's true. And like you said, every time these creep up, it's a new opportunity to accept them and to experience them. Acceptance isn't one and done. And you have to maybe accept something many times, but uh, it's the path. It's the journey of grief. Yeah. I know for me, this is definitely the most significant loss that I've experienced. Would you say the same for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've grieved the loss of living relationships. So say the loss of a partnership or Mm -hmm. even some other close relationships in one's life, but I've never lost someone so close to death. Mm -hmm. So this is a unique grieving experience for for sure. It's uh, and it's a big one. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned that I'm a therapist and, um, you know, I I do work with all kinds of problems. But one thing that I've always shied away from working with is grief. Really not having lost anyone close to me, I always felt like I can relate when it comes to anxiety, depression, neuroticism, those kinds of things. But I felt like I couldn't really relate to people about grief, you know. So this is my first time experiencing the loss of someone so close to A friend of mine and I used to joke about how we hadn't lost anyone. And when we do, it's going to be such a shock. Not really joke, but we would, in a way, it was sort of like almost fear-based joking where Mm. you're like, oh, we're getting older. You know, I'm I'm 40 now. I'm 10 years older than you. Mm. And having gone 40 years without really losing anyone to death, like you lose grandparents, depending on the family dynamic, how close you are to grandparents. I mean, it's, it's different for everyone. Um, but no one really, no immediate family that, you know, not a person you were, not a sibling. I mean, a sibling for me is, is interesting because, you know, they're almost a part of you. You're genetically, you're like, you're from the same parent or parents and there's a part of you in them and there's a part of them in you. And Mm -hmm when you lose them, it, there's just something unique about losing a sibling, uniquely tragic, I think. And, and I maybe think so. that's not true, but I feel like for, for this experience, that's what I'm feeling. I, I do know exactly what you mean there. So I guess for some context for listeners, Tracy is our oldest sister. Tracy was kind of like a really cool aunt. Like for the first part of my life anyway, the first part of our relationship, who would come to town very frequently because she was a flight attendant. And so basically she always lived in Calgary, which is where I am now. And then eventually went to university and I was looking at graduation and Tracy kind of offered for me to move here. And so when I moved here, what I was so surprised about was that I saw myself in Tracy. It was on a different level. We were literally best friends here. (laughs) And I think I remember you telling me that like there was a period of time where you and Tracy were best friends. We were. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, Tracy is seven years older than me. 
So as you said, she was the cool older sibling or aunt type figure uh, due to the fact that she's 17 years older than you. And mm. for me, she was the, you know, the cool older sister. She, as you know, was incredibly generous of <laughs> spirit and everything essentially. So she would allow me like to stay at her place and mm -hmm. really enriched my adolescence. We had mm -hmm. a lot of fun. She took me camping. I had a lot of first experiences with her. Um, my first concert was with Tracy at Harbor Station in St. John, which is now known as TV Station. <laughs> but yeah, she, uh, yeah, I think we had a similar dynamic, you and I with her during yeah. our, our time close to her. Yeah. You know, after someone passes away, it's a common experience to kind of look back at it and realize like how much that person meant to you or how much that person did for you or just the impact that person had on you. And I'm kind of realizing that in all sorts of ways with Tracy. You know, every time I look at the skyline here and I look at the Calgary Tower, like I remember I'm here because... I moved out here and lived with Tracy, you know, and <laughs> she has two of her best friends here and we got together a couple of weeks ago and I'm realizing that Tracy kind of left me with this little family here. It seems like a very common experience that people kind of look back at the relationship and realize, wow, how much impact this person had on me. It's an important lesson, you know, when you mm -hmm. do lose someone that you care about so much and who you genuinely loved, um, it sort of wakes you up to, I guess, maybe, I don't want to say taking for granted, but I really don't know how to describe it in any other way. I think naturally as, as humans, we expect people to be around forever. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we know logically we're like, none of us last forever, but I think we believe that we have all the time in the world and that everyone else does as well. And mm -hmm. this was a lesson in that that's not true. You know? Yeah, absolutely. A thought that I had recently, which I think is along the same lines, is that all the people that I know now, like you and me, one of us is going to experience the other one dying. Like one of us will experience the other one of us dying. Like to know that's an absolute truth is just, I guess, like you said, we're aware of that, but something like this makes us much more aware of it. You know, it's true. It, it brings it to front of mind. I know that for me, one of the gifts, if you can call it that, in mm -hmm. the death of someone you love is realizing these things mm -hmm. and sort of saying, oh, yeah, like this is teaching me that I can't I can't assume everyone has forever. I can't assume I have forever. I can't assume that there will be time. It, it's important to not take people for granted in and again that sounds so awful like it sounds like oh you, you're taking people for granted but I think we all do I think we take mm -hmm. and it's not that we're taking people for granted it's taking that time for granted that they're mm -hmm. always going to be around and, and it's just simply not the case I didn't ever expect to lose a sibling at this time in my life oh my gosh I did not yeah. like you said earlier that I'm coming up on 30 I did not expect to lose a sister in my before I turned 30. You know what I mean? Right. In your like, 20s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, you know, shocking. But in a sense, 
I think it ties into what you're saying about taking things for granted. We take time for granted. We take life for granted. It's not that we took Tracy specifically for granted. It's right, that we take right. everybody for granted, you know? Yeah. And I think it takes being mindful of the fact that that's just not the case, whether it's through just being incredibly <laughs> clever or having experienced something like this to come to that realization. Either way, it's important to know. Certainly, I think for us, it's been one of the gifts that uh, we've received in uh, a death that came far too soon. Exactly. Our sister Kelly posted a quote, which I think came from Lord of the Rings, which was, the only thing that we have to do with time is figure out how to use it or figure out what to do with it. Something very close to that. It was really impactful for me. And so I ended up kind of going down this rabbit hole of looking up different quotes about time. And, and it, was, it was funny because I was actually in a really weird mood that day. By weird, I mean, I was feeling very irritable. You know, I think it probably is a part of the grieving process. And seeing uh, this quote and then going and looking at all these other quotes of time, it completely changed my mood to, you know, have this enlightenment. And the theme was basically time isn't the most important thing. It's the only thing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is kind of the main point I got when I was going down this rabbit hole. It is the only thing. It's the only thing we have. There's uh, an author I, I like. Um, he's like a neuroscientist and a secular Buddhist. And one of the things that he said, he, teach, he also teaches mindfulness. Uh, one of the things he says is that one should contemplate their mortality every day. Mm. Just for a few minutes but to really come to that realization. And then sometimes throughout the day, perhaps things that seem like big things or that, you know, something that upsets you or pisses you off or, you know, you're like, I'm, you know, I'm going to tell them off or, you know, it seems so foolish after that because you're going to die and everyone you know is going to die. And mm -hmm. why, I, I believe the, the quote is, why not be anything but kind? I know that for me, um, almost immediately. And it wasn't anything that I, I chose. I think it was almost like a self-preservation thing because this was not only an untimely death of our sibling, it was a sudden death. Yeah. Um, and with that comes a lot of shock and it wasn't premeditated or even really a choice. I automatically started looking for the lessons in it for what can I learn from this? Because Tracy was a generous person. She was generous of spirit. She was generous with her belongings. She was just a very generous person. And mm. almost through her, you know, in her death, I saw that generosity sort of continue, if that makes sense, mm. um, where it's like, what can I learn from this? And how can she and her generosity, that spirit continue and sort of in a way to not intentionally honor her, but it came about that I started looking for ways to do that the the main way was looking for the lessons which essentially are our gifts in her in her passing absolutely something that was a very significant experience for me so tracy lived here in calgary for 18 years and then we were here together for about a year and she ended up moving to florida and she actually left a note behind which i've shared with you before and in the note she basically says she doesn't want us to be sad. I think I even have the note here. So I'll read it here. 
Don't waste money on a big headstone. Buy lots of wine and get everyone stoned. Tell funny stories about me. Cremate my body and set my spirit free. Look for me in the people I've known or loved. And if you cannot give me away, at least let me live in your eyes and not in your mind. Love doesn't die. People do. So when all that's left of me is love, give me away. Wow. That's so beautiful. So what you're saying about looking for the lesson, looking for the gifts is very much in line with these messages, you know? I'm really glad that you found it. It's not a typical thing for someone to write a note like that. And where did she leave it behind? In, In a photo album? Yeah. She kind of subletted her apartment. She left all of her stuff at her apartment. And when she decided to stay in the States for the long term, she asked me and her best friend to go to the apartment and to take her essentials. And she left a photo album. I love the part in that poem about give someone else what you'd give me. That's really, really beautiful. And that speaks to her nature. That's sort of what she was what she was like. It's this idea that I've seen in a couple other places, kind of reading about grief. And one idea that I've really liked is grief is basically the love that you want to give someone and you can't give them. So thinking about grief as love that you can't give to someone, I find to be a very interesting um, way to think about it and a really kind of beautiful way to think about it. It's love persevering. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone dies, your love doesn't go away. You may not be able to give it to them, but she gave us a very clear message to give it to others. You know, at some point, maybe grief becomes something more positive. You know, you start to put those into action because as, you know, personally, as someone who is a secularist, I do believe that people continue to live on in everyone they knew, you know, in every experience you have with someone who passes you learn things from them and they teach you things. And not only do you have memories and feelings about them that live on inside of you and everyone else they knew, but the things they taught you. And so Mm -hmm. if you were taught something by someone who's died during their life, and if you've learned lessons about, you know, anything in their death, which the lessons can be plentiful, you know, you can eventually put those into action. And that is sort of, a way that that person continues to live on and a way that you can continue to love them. When you're grieving, I guess there are some ideas that are more helpful than others. Are there any, you know, unhelpful ideas about grief that you've experienced? Yeah, I think that people put a timeline sometimes on grief. You know, how long someone should grieve for, you should get to move on with your life or get past it. And this isn't anything I experienced personally with this but I've heard people say, you know, we just, we've got to move on. We've got to get past it. I remember, I can't remember the book, but years ago I read a book about grief. And I remember reading about different cultures and how they deal with grief differently than us. And Mm. I remember reading about wives who would lose their husbands and they would just, however long it took, just scream and cry and wail and call out the person's name and just experience it and feel it to the to the ends of the earth. I find in our culture, it's sort of a point of pride to be strong and to, you know, put on a brave face and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you're strong for everyone else. And those are all great qualities too, but the other way is great as well. 
So yeah, but you're basically saying, so there's two unhelpful ideas. One is, you know, to remain strong when you've lost someone. And another one is that you want to get over it quickly, that it's only a temporary thing. And both of those are unhelpful ideas. You know, being brave and strong all the time isn't realistic. And especially when there is such a a huge loss, you know, it's okay to to not be okay. Absolutely. Our emotions are telling us something important and to discount them in the name of being strong is not always a good idea. And I feel like if there's one time in your life, I mean, I think there should be multiple times, but if there's one time in your life that you can give yourself permission to fall apart and to feel, you know, I do feel like I have done that myself. I do not shy away from talking about Tracy to people for just crying and listening to, you know, and this is something that I've been doing a lot is listening to a lot of songs that kind of elicit those emotions in me you know, full well knowing that it's going to make me cry. And I think it's really healthy that you have been able to do that. I had a similar experience with the music. There was a song that Tracy and I used to listen to when we were younger. (laughs) It's a song by Dire Straits. It's called Romeo and Juliet. For some reason, when we listened to it, we would cry and we would end up laughing because we were like, (laughs) why are we crying? But it's like this love song and it's tragic, like, you know, the story of Romeo and Juliet. And... Mm we would just end up crying and then we'd end up laughing. And on one day in particular, when I did spend the day in bed, like to your point, you know, if there's any excuse or not excuse, but any good reason to allow Mm -hmm. yourself to fall apart, it's certainly when you're, when you're grieving. I remember one day in particular soon after Tracy died Mm -hmm. and this one day in particular where I just, yeah, I gave myself full permission to fall apart. Like you don't have to get out of bed today if you don't want to. You don't have to talk to anyone today if you don't want to. If you do, great. But if not, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And that was one of the songs I put on and uh, it, uh, I really let go and I found it helpful. I did it a few times with that song and then I kind of did it till it didn't hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Yeah. Probably won't listen to it again, but if it did, I don't know if it would hurt in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I listen to this one particular song, it does, it really does make me cry. Um, <laughs> you know, if I give it some time, I suspect it still will. And even the song um, Warning Sign by Coldplay, just something about that song too, really gets to me. You know, another unhelpful idea too is some people on the flip side, They expect you to be a crying, wailing mess all the time. Yes. Yeah. So you can almost feel like, oh, I I should be feeling this emotion. I should be feeling this way. And really, that's a a harmful idea, too. It's true. Um, I recall one day in particular where I ran into someone uh, who was aware of what had happened. And they asked how I was. And I said, I'm okay in this moment, which mm-hmm. has sort of become a, you know, a response that I have on the ready because sometimes I'm not and sometimes I am. And truthfully, in that moment, I certainly was okay. And I'm okay to admit when I'm not as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that person said, well, it's okay if you're not. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm okay in this moment. Mm. And they were like, yeah, but it's okay if you're not. And I'm like, I know, but actually right now, I'm pretty okay. I think there's just, 
for some reason, I think sometimes people don't want to say to someone. And I know that I was like that before. This experience has taught me a lot about um, being silent when someone loses a loved one, because oftentimes mm. I would be like, my condolences to you and your family. And that would sort of be it. Uh, I didn't really know what to say to people. So I yeah. think, you know, not that these people have bad intentions when they're like, it's okay to not be okay. You know, they're mm -hmm. just, it's, it's hard to know what to say sometimes, I think. Well, let's get into that. That's actually something that I wanted to explore a bit more. You know, what have you experienced as helpful responses? And what have you experienced as unhelpful responses? So far, we have people thinking that they're reading your mind and telling you that you're not okay. What else has been unhelpful? I think, oh, unhelpful? Helpful versus okay. unhelpful. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting, you know, the, re the, the response or reaction from people when something like this happens. I found that people I did not expect to be supportive and not because they're not supportive people, just but maybe because they're not in my life so much any longer, or, you know, we haven't chatted in a while. People have been very supportive in ways of just like sort of doing things. You know, I think when people are experiencing acute grief, you know, maybe you're not picking up your house or maybe you're not able to make yourself a meal. I had a colleague who just literally showed up at the door with food and was like, here, let me know if you need anything else. And I was yeah. like, wow, they really, they really showed up. It wasn't anything that I had requested. They just were sort of like here. And maybe that would be a little too much for some people, but I found it very helpful because I mm. wasn't at the time able to do my dishes or prepare any food. I just was not there. So mm. I, I found that very helpful. You know, if something similar happens to someone I care about, which is inevitable, I may just show up. And by yeah. show up, I mean, take action in a way that could be helpful. If it's not, hey, that's okay. Like maybe they don't need that food mm -hmm. or whatever it is, but they might. And that's all yeah. that matters. I think it's it's just about being supportive and absolutely there's going to be practical support that's needed, you know, when someone is down and out and grieving, it's helpful for someone to step in and offer to help you with groceries or mowing your lawn or, you know, whatever it might be, making a meal, doing your dishes. What are some things that you have found either helpful or unhelpful? Well, I guess um, I really appreciated anybody who offered to talk anyone who gave me an open invitation to talk basically mm -hmm. yeah so i've had some people who i really don't know all that like you know who i'm not really close to who say hey if you ever want to get together and vent and you know talk about how shitty the world is like i'm here to do that with you i, I found that to be really helpful um had a couple people call me you know as soon as they saw they just called me and i didn't pick up but i really appreciated the gesture that the person called I found those to be helpful too. Yeah. People just getting a message from someone, getting a phone call from someone, not only is it a show of support and you do feel supported, but in those acute moments of grief, particularly in the beginning, it's a, also a great distraction. If you feel like communicating, you can, if you don't, that's fine too. But if you are getting messages from people and you're responding to them, it can kind of take you out of your head or at least take you out and you feel lifted up. You really do. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly 
will reach out to people more going forward. Like I said, it would usually be on a Facebook post when I was on Facebook or Instagram. I'd maybe mm-hmm. share a heart emoji or say my condolences. Maybe mm-hmm. it was because I hadn't experienced grief before. I hadn't experienced the death of someone very close. But going forward, I will maybe make the phone call or send the message or show up in some way. Yeah. Because it certainly is helpful. Like I said, I used to refrain from working with clients who were experiencing grief because I felt like I didn't understand it as much as I understand other things that I help people with. And so I probably was one of those people who didn't give an open-ended invitation to talk. On the flip side, there have been a couple people who, you know, basically talked to me almost every day who sent me what felt like a very cold and calculated response. You know, just like, um, I'm wishing you and your family strength or um, the condolences thing that you were saying, but it's from someone who I thought I was close with, you know, when, when really what would be more supportive would be an open-ended kind of gesture. And so just like you said, some people really don't know what to say. I guess yeah. I was one of those people at one, at one point, but some people really don't know what to say. And I think they might even kind of avoid someone who's grieving. Yeah. I think those are coming from places of good intention, but Mm -hmm. maybe they're people who haven't experienced grief. They haven't experienced the loss of a loved one. They were like you and I, and they really didn't know what to do. And maybe they don't realize what it means to show up in that way and be like, Hey, like if you need to talk, Hey, I'm really sorry about what happened. Like, is there Mm. anything you want to talk to me about? Or, you know, is there any way that I can help or you know, reaching out regularly. Um, It's certainly been enlightening for me in that respect, because I was one of those people. I would oftentimes, like you said, to your point about avoiding, Mm -hmm. I would avoid, or I would, yeah, close-ended statement that was generic. And Yeah. And I think that is appropriate for a certain types of relationships. Hundreds of people reached out on Facebook or Instagram. So if there's someone I don't talk to Mm -hmm. very much, I don't experience that as unhelpful. I'm like, oh, I'm surprised this person is even reaching out at all. But when it's someone who you perceive as a close friend who is now avoiding you, <laughs> you, you pick up on that. And it, it was experienced as unhelpful in that case for me. I've experienced the same thing. It's so interesting. So people who you expect to be supportive really sometimes don't know how to support you and not Mm. that you need that support necessarily from them in particular, but it's just a little surprising. And then people who you don't expect it from. There are two girls who I know and we've sort of lost touch over the years. Um, We're close in age. They became mothers. Um, I'm not a parent. So they've been busy with their children and with their careers and they're in relationships So Mm. we kind of fell out of contact as much, but since this happened, they've been incredibly supportive in just a myriad of ways. And Mm. it's, it's been really enlightening as to, I guess, maybe like the levels of compassion people have, or just, I don't know, like relationship dynamics. It's just like, well, we don't talk anymore. Why are you showing up with uh, a gift card, a beautiful plant to take care of. Like, what is it about this situation that's motivating you to really reach out and, and be supportive in these ways where people that you're closer to maybe don't and they, and mm-hmm. they sort of shy away. It's, it, it's interesting, isn't it? 
It is. Yeah. But it's something that you really notice if you're close with someone. Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced the same thing. Yeah. That's interesting. And then of course, there are some outright comments. Like for instance, I love your use of the word secularist. I think I would probably consider myself a secularist too. (laughs) And sometimes I, I have had people come to me who have more religious beliefs and they tell me that they feel her spirit here or they tell me something about her being better off in a better place. And those are classic, you know, classically unhelpful things. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And I think, you know, when people say those sorts of things, I've had similar experiences where people have said, yeah, that they're, they can feel them, they can see them, or, you know, they, they know what they're doing now. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, perhaps that's not something I would personally believe in, but I think the intention behind it is good. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think the intention behind the close statements is also good it's just confusing. Yeah. When, when it's someone you're close to and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's simply a lesson they haven't learned yet because Mm -hmm. I think you and I may be able to say that before that was a lesson that maybe we hadn't learned and that maybe we would have behaved in the exact same way. Exactly. And, and, And without any, you know, without even wanting to be that person, but we were probably that person. I'm sure I've been that person. Absolutely. I've been that person. I a hundred (laughs) percent. I won't ever be that person again though. Absolutely not. I know it's definitely lifted the veil a little bit. And I realize all you need to do is be with that person and support that person, be there with someone. And you don't always have to be offering solutions and advice. I think it really comes down to knowing the person. So for example, uh, one of my best friends, uh, their boyfriend said to them, you need to go be with her. Like you need to go and be with your best friend right now. Like this has happened and you need to go do that. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, no, like I know her and I know that if she needed that, she would tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I, that's just not something they would want me to do. And they ended up in a fight over it, like a, like a fight where it was like, well, no, you like, what's wrong with you? Like, you need to go do that. And Mm. my friend said, well, that's not what she would want. And, um, they shared that with me because they were saying, well, did I, did I do the wrong thing essentially? And to me, there was no right or wrong answer. There was a period of time where I did need a lot of time alone to grieve. Had they come, it would have been fine. Uh, where they didn't, it was fine as well. They had reached out. They told me that, you know, they were there and they wanted to see me as soon as possible. So I knew that mm-hmm. the, you know, the door was open. But uh, yeah, that that's interesting because everyone's different, right? And I think it, it really comes down to knowing the person and what they might want, or at least yes. asking them. <laughs> For sure. One of my friends who I hadn't really seen in a while, I mean, you know, with the pandemic and everything, um, he reached out and just directly asked me to hang out and I like that. I really liked that. Because then you had the right to say yes or no. Mm-hmm. You know, if you weren't up for it, you're like, actually, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling up to it. Or, but I, I love that, actually. That's, yeah. that's what I call showing up for someone. Yes, exactly. That's one of the ways you can show up. Yeah. Something else helpful that I experienced was um, a friend of ours in my friend group had a birthday and I had planned um, a birthday dinner for them. It was limited in numbers, of course, because of COVID, but we ended up going to a restaurant. Before we got there, I received a message from one of the friends I had invited and they said, listen, 
if you are there and you end up feeling overwhelmed and like you want to go, just tell me you'd like to have a Perrier and we'll leave. And it wasn't anything that was like required. Um, but I thought that was so thoughtful for them mm. to say, Hey, listen, like this is a dinner. We're going out. You know, if you're overwhelmed, I'm going to get you out of there. And mm. I just said, thank you. Like that, that means a lot. It wasn't uh, anything I needed to do, but it was just very thoughtful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's about, um, not making assumptions like this person. He's like, this option is here if you want it, but he's not imposing that right. you're feeling a certain way. He's not, he's not imposing it onto you. Like your earlier example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. Basically telling me I'm not okay, <laughs> which I understand again, one of the situations where they probably just didn't know what to say, but uh, I really was okay in that moment. It could change yes. in a few, but <laughs> in this moment, I'm fine. Yes, exactly. On the topic of things that have been unhelpful is guilt and regret. You know, I say it's unhelpful, but I think it's also a normal part of the grieving process. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's a normal part of the grieving process for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there are times when things pop up and you end up feeling angry about them. You mentioned uh, guilt. That's definitely something that I think people feel when they're going through, you know, grief. I think I said aloud today when I was walking, like, I'm sorry, Tracy, because I have been left with some guilt about it. And instead of feeling guilty, I've turned it into, again, a lesson. And I've said more than once, I'm sorry, Tracy. Yeah. I'm sorry for having those feelings. You know, and they're just feelings, but I I feel sorry for having them. You know, there was anger probably for a reason and Mm. life's happening to everyone. And we don't always understand what's going on in Mm -hmm. people's hearts and minds. And when we love someone, you just have to love them. Absolutely. And that's the thing is we kind of have a tendency to look back with the knowledge that we have now. The knowledge that we have now is that our sister was dying. We didn't, right. we didn't know that back then. We had no idea. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have imagined that in a million years. No, me neither. And so, yeah, when you talk about that guilt over feeling that emotion, maybe some of that guilt isn't necessary because you're having that guilt with the knowledge you have now. Right. You right. didn't know that back then. I didn't know it back then. And like I said, maybe, yeah, taking that guilt, if there is some guilt you're feeling, which to your point is unnecessary, taking it and turning it into something else and saying, well, I'm more enlightened now to understand that maybe something's happening in this person's life or that person's life that I don't understand, that I can't understand, and that may be frankly none of my business. And if I care about them, then I just care about them. You just have to love them. Absolutely. And so I guess the last thing that I wanted to touch on, I do say that we give practical advice in this podcast. You know, I think this particular episode is more about us just connecting with people. I know there's lots of people who've experienced the loss this year. I think the most helpful thing to do is to be candid. And so we're kind of, that's kind of the idea behind this particular episode. But do you have any practical tips for anybody who um, is experiencing loss? 
I'll go first. Guilt is a healthy emotion. It's kind of there for a reason, but it's also possible to have toxic guilt. And that's kind of when, when we judge ourselves kind of harshly and think that we should have known something that we didn't know, or we should have done something that we didn't do. And so I would just say avoiding those shoulds, just those judgments of ourselves, I think is important. It's very, it's a normal part of grieving to experience guilt, but we don't want to dump more on our plate in that way. That's true. That's really good advice. Mm -hmm. I think I would say really allowing yourself to feel the feelings of grief. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It hurts, hurts really bad Mm -hmm. Um, to really allow yourself to feel it because if you don't, you could get stuck in it and it Mm -hmm. could maybe go away for a little bit, but it's going to come back. It's something that you must experience. And I know for me, and this is not something that is for everyone, but I chose intentionally to you know, abstain from alcohol, stay sober, feel those feelings. I did spend a lot of time exercising to get out of my head. Um, you know, I did some mindfulness practices when things became too much, but there are times where you're not going to be able to manage it so well. And that's okay. There are times where um, maybe abstaining from things isn't even possible for some people. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I don't think that's something people need to judge themselves for, but if you can, if you're able to, without it becoming overwhelming, allow yourself to really experience it and feel it and know that it's normal. Grief is normal. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel it, that's not really normal. And in those moments where you are all right, that's okay too. That's okay too. Yeah. yeah. It's okay Absolutely. to feel, you know, not so bad at times. So yes. feel your feelings, experience it. It is going to be uncomfortable and it is going to hurt, but mm-hmm. you will get through it. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. I think you can get stuck in that way where you're not allowing yourself to feel your feelings. And you can also be stuck in, in this other way of kind of going back into the past and focusing on this one detail and beating yourself over the head with it. You can get stuck in both of those ways. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to revisit the past when you've got that time, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you hyper focus on probably a lot of the things that happened with the person in your life because you're sort of time traveling because mm-hmm. there's no more future with them, essentially, you know, physically on the planet or in your life. So Mm. you may be visiting the past to spend time with them. And sometimes painful things can come up and, and uh, to not linger there. We did our best at the time. (laughs) Exactly. You know what? If you're finding yourself numb, that's okay. If you're having a moment where you're not feeling overwhelmed, that's okay. And if you are feeling overwhelmed, that's also okay. Yeah, because sometimes people imagine that grief is like 30 days of wearing black and you're crying Mm. every day and you can't do anything. And it's like, well, no, that's not really how it works. You may absolutely have days like that. Maybe you may only have one day for that. Grief is different Mm. for everyone. And there's no timeline and not judging the way you grieve would be Mm. very helpful. Absolutely. Did we just do a podcast episode? I think we did. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, I'm proud of you. Thank you for having me on. This is really fun. I'm really proud of you for doing this. Thank you. What does C mean? It's kind of like vitamin C. It's good for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this special episode of the Sister C podcast and for helping us pay homage to our sister Tracy. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you found some of our ideas to be helpful. 
If you would like to chat with me or learn more about my counseling and coaching services, you can visit my website at spectrapsychology.com. Remember, no matter where you fall in the spectrum, the Sister C podcast has your back. See you in the next one.